says, the Lord is good. Let's go and read verse 6. Who can stand before his indignation, and who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And you know of them that trust in Him. Dear Heavenly Father, we see the combination here of Your wrath. We see Your goodness. And Lord, may we see Your goodness today. So we really see every day we just many times don't acknowledge it or recognize it. But we thank You, Lord, for Your goodness. We thank You for Your holiness. Help us this morning rejoice in Your goodness. This all because of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And He know of them that trust in Him. Now you just imagine a mighty, a large, rushing river that has overflowed. Overflooded. And it just causes destruction in its path. You know, after a hurricane, many times those rivers end up becoming more destructive. But then in the midst of this large river, it's a nice, lush island that looks like a beautiful garden. It's kind of what we see in the book of Nahum, a book that talks about God's wrath upon the Assyrians, upon Nineveh. But there is the beauty in the middle of of a beautiful garden, of an island, of that that God is telling Israel that vengeance belongs to the Lord, but that He will be a stronghold. He will be a strong tower to His people. That He will be good to His people. That the evildoers, they will suffer because of what they've been causing, the evil they've done continually, but that God was going to be good to His people. The Bible even says in the New Testament that He's good, He's kind, He reigns upon both the unjust and the just. That He even cares for those that despise Him. The love of God and His wrath are inseparably linked. Nahum places the goodness of God, God uh, and mercy of God in the midst of a passage about his wrath. This is not a contradiction of the theme of the entire book, but it is the heart of the message. That Nahum is trying to p- portray a message to Israel that your Redeemer is coming. That that you will have protection. That you will have safety. That there will be a refuge. And not that there will be, but that there is in the Lord. Liberal theology 
flatly denies that God's wrath can also be loving. Those who hold the liberal view will define God according to their own imagination. They imagine a God that is kind, but unable to enforce His righteous standards and punish evildoers. Others deny God's essential goodness. They see the effect of evil in the world. They see the poverty. They see disease, the cancer. They see human wickedness, natural disasters, and other disorders. And they conclude that God is cruel and unloving, or even deny that He's there. They cannot envision that a sovereign being who is truly good would tolerate so much evil. But yet the Bible says that God is long-suffering to us, Lord, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Nahum knew God is both just in His wrath and good. There was no contradiction. The Lord is good. Forty-one times in the Old Testament, we are told that His mercy endures forever. Is this image just the New Testament? It's the Old Testament. Forty-one times that His mercy endures forever. That's where He doesn't do with us always as He as we deserve. That He gives us mercy. Seven times we find the phrase, the Lord is good. We see in the New Testament it is mentioned that He alone is good. And that Jesus says there is none good but one. That is God. Because we've all fallen short. And a lot of times mankind, they want to make up, again, make God to be some kind of evil man when they're hiding their evil secrets. They they want to paint God as evil because they don't want to really recognize the reality that because of their own evil, they're going to have to answer to one that has authority over them. A judge that will condemn. But yet a judge that is loving and calls for repentance. We see that His goodness is personified in Christ. That Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. He's not just called a shepherd. He's called the Good Shepherd. His universal goodness is revealed in all His works. In Psalm 145.9, the Bible says the Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all His works. Psalm 33.5, Says he love of righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of it. Man, just the seasons that we have, you know, that we're able to have a harvest, that we're able to have a summer, a springtime, that we're able to see things grow, that we're able to enjoy the snow in the winter at times. All of creation speaks of God's essential goodness. He made animal kind for us that we could enjoy. 
that some could have as pets, that some could, that we could tame to help us in labor, that we could admire, that we could recognize, to see the beauty of His creation. You think about it, the Lord could have made everything one color. He could have made everything brown. My wife, she loves brown. She loves the color of brown. You know, we got a couple of walls that are brown. And I wasn't even her picking. That was the color designer. But just imagine if everything, everywhere you went was brown. That the grass was always brown. Thank God you don't live in California, huh? Live in Washington. The Lord could have made brown flowers, the sky brown, the ocean brown, but He didn't. There is much for us to enjoy with variety. He's even given people around the world. We have different color. You know what? Some white, some brown, some black. Some different shades. You know, we're really all shades of the same color. It's just different shades of it. But it's a variety that, that God gives us a beauty in His creation. You know what? Different dogs and cats. They're not all the same color. But God's given a variety. He's given beauty. You know, the same God who threatens judgment against the wicked lovingly compassionately invites sinful souls in despair to find their refuge in Him. That He alone will be their haven, their stronghold, their protection from divine judgment. There are three things we can ponder from this passage. First, let us think of God Himself. Think of God Himself. The Lord is good. Be a good verse to memorize. That way, when you're going through a time of trial, you could still remember that the Lord, He's good. He's a good God. Secondly, what God is to us. What God is to us. And that's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Thirdly, you think Emmanuel, God with us. He knoweth them that trust in Him. God knows those who are His. He is amongst us. Okay, first we'll look again, God Himself, that the Lord is good. That Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. You know, God knows what hurts us. He knows what discourages us. He knows what brings us down. And you know, God cares. You know, sometimes God brings us through those things, but through it all, get in your mind, God cares. God loves us. Charles Spurgeon said this, it is one thing to sit under your vine and fig tree and sing the Lord is good. It is quite another thing when the vine and the fig tree have both been cut down and all your comfort is gone, still to say the Lord 
is good. Do you not think that if we fail to say it the second time, it will look as if after all, it was the vine and the fig tree that were good and not God? Or at least that our view of God's goodness was very much derived from the fact of our being in so much comfort. You know, I'm trying to bring about the point that you know what? God's goodness is not based on our comfort level. That even when that fig tree, when that thing is taken away, the vine's taken away, you know that God is still a good God. That, that His goodness is not seen in things that He provides us. You know, if you don't get your kids anything for Christmas this year, it does not mean you're not a good parent. Your goodness is not in the thing. Now, you know what the Bible talks about? You know what? Even us being evil, we desire to give good things to our kids. How much more our Heavenly Father that He desires to give us good things. But again, His goodness is not wrapped in just the things. His goodness is in of Himself. It is His character. You think about the accusation which Satan brought against Job. That Job only loved God because of what God gave him. It's what Satan was accused in Job of. You know why he serves you, God? You know why he serves you? It's because you bless him. You always give him this. You give him this many children. You give him the wealth. You give him this cattle. That's why God ser- or, um, Job serves you. Take that away. And he'll no longer be there for you. He says, it has, has not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he have on every side. And yet when Job was on his dunghill, scraping his sores, and with his children dead, and his property gone, he said, the Lord gave, and the Lord have taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, it takes much to be able to come with that mindset. You need to yield yourselves completely to God. But we see Satan's accusation was false. Because Job was not trusting in God just for the things that God gave him. But he trusted in Him as a person and understood that God is good. That God is good independently. There are none that make Him good. Or help him to be so. You know, as parents, grandparents of children, you know what, there's times where you're trying to help your children be good. Now you're trying predominantly to help their character inside. To help their heart that they'll want to do good. But there are times where, you know, for this one, you got to force that goodness. Now you want it to become natural to come out of a genuine walk with God. But you know what? We don't mold God to be good. It's who He is already. He is already a good God. None can, none can make Him better. He's already perfect. As long as we have God, we have the essence of all good. 
God is eternally and unchangeably good. He cannot be better. He cannot be made worse. He is absolutely perfect. There can be no improvement and there is no depreciation of Him. What a mighty God we serve. You know, you think about it. You know, if you're married, He was good to you on your wedding day. I want to give you someone whom you love as the joy of your life. But you know, He was just as good on the sorrowful day if your spouse was smitten down and passed away. God is still good. You thought God was good when your little child laughs in your lap. When He makes the whole household merry. But you know God is still good when there's a little coffin having to leave the house to be buried. So my pastor had to bury their child this last year. And yet they never questioned God's goodness through that time. They just had another newborn just this past week. God is good. God is good to us when we walk abroad in the sunlight. When your breath is good health. But He's still good as your body ages and you're weary. And you have a hard time getting from one place to another. God has not changed. He is good. We suffer from the consequences of sin. But God is good. And one day everything's going to be restored. Everything, our corruption, our corrupt body in Christ is going to put on incorruption. That when we go to be with the Lord, that there will be no more weeping. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more dying. After the lost are cast into the lake of fire, the second death. Death will not have dominion upon God's children. And it's so true that no good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. God is good. What a good God we serve. I can't emphasize it enough. God is good. The Lord, He is good. Not only that, the Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble. In the 1800s, a, a man named Dr. Cotler, I mean, talk about a time when he went to Yosemite Valley and, he told, and, and their driver, they had someone driving him on the tour, and he told them about how in the, in just recently there had been some terrific earthquakes. Um, that visited the place. And that the few inhabitants who dwelt there were thrown out of their beds at night. It caused panic. Frail cottages were overturned. Loose rocks were hurled down from the valley. These shocks were repeated for several days until the people were completely panic-stricken, ready to despair. And the man asked, so what did you guys do? During this time, the driver pointing to the giant rock in the mountain called El Capitan 
which rises for 3,000 feet on the south side of the valley and has a base of three solid miles. He said, we determine to go near there and camp under Old Capitan. For if that ever moved, we knew the world would be coming to an end. That if that rock was to go, then we know the world is in it. That's how they felt. Now they just had some rocks fall from there this year. Okay? So what they thought didn't come completely true. The world didn't end when some of the rock fell down. But in their mind, you know what? That was their refuge. That was the solid. That was the stronghold. And so that was their protection when there were earthquakes that was hitting everywhere. They went there. It's a refuge. A place for safety. You know, our God, it's a refuge, a strong tower, that there won't be any mishap. That when we run to Him, God's not going to be like, oh no, this happened, I wasn't ready for it. No, God is a stronghold. No one appreciates the goodness of God like those who seek their refuge in Him. They're the ones who know Him, that love Him. They are the ones um, whom... They have love for God and know God's love. That we can flee to Him. That His goodness is like no one else's. And you appreciate His goodness. Micah 7, verse 18 says, Who is the God like unto thee? The pardon of iniquity. You know, many of the false gods, false religions, the myths, They're gods of vengeance, of destruction. We're not known as being a God that pardons iniquity, that gives forgiveness. But our God, He punishes iniquity, but He also pardons and and forgives. And passes by the transgression of the remnant of His heritage. He retained of not his anger forever, because he delighted in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and that will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You know, again, many talk of trusting God when indeed they know nothing of real faith. How are we to know who is and who is not a believer, a genuine Christian? Now, the question can sometimes be hard to answer. You know, it sometimes, in prosperity, it's hard to know who's a real believer. When there's no persecution, It's hard to know who's genuine, who's the real deal, who's truly been redeemed, who's truly surrendered their life to the Lord. But it's not that way in the day of trouble. In the day of trouble, that's when the true truster, the true believer, is calm and quiet in his God. And the pretender is at its wit's end. Panics. But the peace that one has in Christ is amazing. You know what? Everybody 
could find a bird's nest in the winter when the trees are bare. But the green leaves hide them. So are believers discovered by adversity. But one thing you know that shouldn't be forgotten, whether we know whether someone is a true believer or not, God knows. God knows those who are His. You know, Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run up into it and is saved. You know what the Lord know of them that are His? And they know Him as their strong tower. They know Him as their strong tower. He's a strong tower. He's a stronghold. That is a fortress like a castle. A tower of defense in the day of trouble. So that in the time of trouble, God guarantees a safety, a peace to His people, though they may be surrounded by all kinds of chaos. Doesn't mean tragedy doesn't happen in our life. But yet the peace that we could have because of God's goodness. You know that God is the stronghold means that God abides forever the same Always to serve refuge for the needy. Strongholds are not temporary camps. Strongholds are meant to be a permanent place to stand from generation to generation. Now, sometimes as technology increases, sometimes those strongholds are abandoned. But you know, of God, He is an ever present stronghold that does not change. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Securing our safety. A stronghold is always strong, even when there is no immediate war. You know, the United States military, they're standing on guard. They're standing on watch. They're guarding those aircraft carriers. Even when there is not yet war. They're ready And God is there as a stronghold. Even when everything is at peace, when everything is going well, the stronghold also helps maintain our peace. Within the walls of a castle, men walk at ease, for they are shut off from their enemies. Go ahead and turn to Philippians 3.9. How does God shelter those who trust in Him? How is he their stronghold? He knows them that trust in him. Philippians 3, verse 9, we see that he covers us with his own righteousness. Philippians 3, 9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. The righteousness we receive is by trusting in Him through faith. Trusting in His Son, Jesus Christ. You know what Jeremiah 23, 6 calls Him the Lord our righteousness. That's where we get our righteousness from. Is from Him. And that's received through faith. And the Lord knows them that trust in Him. 
Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy paths, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You know, the knowledge of the Lord knowing us, it implies a tender care. Think of a doctor that's caring for a patient. They wants to know their history. He wants to see um, previous diagnosis. He wants to try and make a current diagnosis, uh, give a prognosis of what things are likely to be. He wants to know their condition, to study their, him, their symptoms, to be thoroughly acquainted with them. And so God cares with us in an intense, a loving, an affectionate, and an earnest care. That is a wonderful thing to know that God knows everything about us. He doesn't even need to study us. He already knows us. But He's there. He cares for us. And as Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee because He trusts in Thee. He's the stronghold that we're able to trust in. He's our refuge. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. No, you're going for a time of trouble. Trust in Him. He'll get you through it. You can abide in it with Him. You look at the people we recognize. You know, like Job, he was there with them. Daniel, he was there with him in the lion's den. He was a stronghold. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in the fiery furnace, and there is their stronghold. And when the enemies came, they came and went, well, what's going on? Before they even got close, they burned. Turned to dust. But those that trusted in Him, there was the stronghold. Even in the fiery furnace, there they were abiding. And as the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, he saw that there was a fourth man standing in there like unto the Son of God. A Christophany, a Theophany, a pre-manifestation of Christ before the virgin birth. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Man, there's that stronghold. His foundation stands sure. There's no tearing it apart. Having this seal is sealed. It says, The Lord knoweth them that are His. It's a sure thing. It's sealed. It's foundational. That God knows those who are His. He knows what we're going through. It's an intimate acquaintance with us. With our conditions. His tender care to supply for our necessities. His divine approval of them. Not based on their own righteousness, but the Lord who is their righteousness. And that he told others, depart from me. I never knew you. But to those in Christ, 
He says, come into the kingdom. His loving communion with them. Call, we see Jesus says, I call you not servants, but I call you friends. We see an open acknowledgement in Revelation 3, 5. It says, He did overcome of the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out His name out of the book of life. But I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. Man, God will not blot His children out of the book of life. Man, if you're written in there, you're not being taken out. It's sealed. You're in there. Isn't God good? Man, He doesn't just write us in and then erase us. No, this foundation stand of sure. We are sealed that He knoweth them that are His. Even when you doubt. Bible says, even when you believe not. He cannot deny Himself. He abideth faithful. Even when maybe in your walk with God, you walk away, God is still there. You've maybe walked away from your fellowship with Him, but you are still a child of God, and God will chasten as needed to draw you back to Him. But He's there. Let us believe in the goodness of the Lord. Even when we cannot discern it with our senses. Even when we can't see it. Even when we can't hear it. Um, and it just seems things get terrible and terrible. And they're saying that God is our strong tower. So treat Him like your strong tower. Treat Him like He's your stronghold. Run to Him. Run to Him for refuge. Let us fly to His protection when storms of trouble fall. Let us abide in Him during the peaceful times. Confide in His loving care when you have enemies that are hunting you down. You know of them, they trust in Him. And it reads on, and let everyone that name of the name of Christ Depart from iniquity. Okay, he knows you. You know him. So let your life match it. Depart from iniquity. First Corinthians 8 3 says, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. If any man love God, the same is known of him. If you love God, other people will see it. It's known of you. Like, man, that person walks with God. That person knows God. Sometimes they'll term it differently. They'll be like, man, that person's a faithful, religious man. But man, they see that you walk with God. Let that be what they see. Psalm 1-6 says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's go ahead and stand with our heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll have a time of invitation, a call of worship, to worship the Lord. And Sarah, if you can play piano. Psalm 1-6. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. 
He knoweth the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. You see, you see both sides, same coin. God said, just God, the ungodly will perish. That's where he calls upon them, calls upon them to repent. He called upon Nineveh to repent. And he sent a prophet that did not want to go, Jonah, to preach to them. And they repented at that time. And God was their refuge. But future generations, no longer the same. They despised God and became a brutal people. They won't go unpunished. But He's a refuge to us as believers. Come to Him. It's a piano plays. Spend time. Come in to the Lord as your stronghold. Come to Him in prayer.